Dr. Jason Johnson has been guest hosting the readout this week, and he had on the director of the American Library Association Office of Intellectual Freedom, Deborah Caldwell-Stone. I know we hear a lot about book bans, but I think it's important to hear from the American Library Association. At the end of the report, there are also actions for what we can do to stop them. The book bans, not the Library Association. They're great. Now, the book banners are targeting multiple titles. Of the book's challenge, 40% were in cases involving 100 or more books. The vast majority of the targeted books are written by or about the LGBTQ community and people of color. Surprise, surprise! Those books include Gender Queer by Michael Bobby's graphic novel about coming out as non-binary, and Toni Morrison's The Bluest Eye, one of the most prominent literary works ever on the lived experience of black girls and women. Joining me now is Deborah Caldwell-Stone, director of the American Library Association's Office of Intellectual Freedom. Deborah, thank you so much for joining me and, and talking about this issue. I'm a college professor at Morgan State University. Yes. I often talk to my students about what their access was to books in high school prior to coming to a university library. Just from a purely educational standpoint, how dangerous is it that we're seeing these sort of organized attacks on books and libraries in and out of schools throughout the country? It's very dangerous. We know that these attacks are narrowing educational opportunities, denying young people the ability to look into new li different lives, different experiences, understand others, understand themselves. And by taking away books that reflect their lived experience as persons of color, um, as LGBTQ persons, they are being denied the opportunity to see themselves in the last shelf of the library shelf. But worse, we know from the research that not having access to diverse books actually results in poor educational outcomes. We've looked at this research. We actually have a white paper available on our website at uniteagainstgoodbookbans.org that demonstrates that access to diverse materials to the lives and uh, experiences of people of all sorts is very important for improved educational outcomes and more importantly improved student health. We know this. We hear from students at hearings where there are demands to remove books and students actually cry when they talk about finding books like Genderqueer on the shelf that reflect their lives, that tell them that it's okay, that there is some place after high school, after college, where they can find uh, success in life and have a successful career, successful relationships. And when we take these books away, it's just devastating to the young people. One of the things that I've also noticed about these attacks on libraries, and this is the part that, that infuriates me, uh, because it's been so pernicious and so dangerous, is they're not necessarily even coming from parents in the school districts anymore, right? It's national organizations weaponizing their access and saying, yeah, we may not have anybody who's in this county in the school district in Florida or Illinois or Missouri, but we've just decided to scan your local library and file a protest. What's, what's the significance of that? It's not even really coming from parents anymore. It's just reflective uh, of what we're seeing in the numbers this year, is that it's no longer a conversation between an educator and a librarian and a parent about a book the parent has concerns about. We're seeing organized political attacks on our libraries and on our school libraries, intending to limit books to what is politically approved, morally approved, that fits the narrow agenda of the groups that are bringing these challenges. And you know, make no mistake about it, they've got lists of bad books. You can go to social media, you can go to the websites, and what you find is lists of disapproved books. And who do we find on those lists? Ibram Kendi, uh, Toni Morrison. We find uh, uh, Maya books, you know, uh, books that speak to the experience of gay teens, like this book is gay by Juno Dawson. Um, and they, you know, that's what we'll see. We see kind of rip and read behavior. Someone will show up at the board meeting with a list of books they haven't read, haven't seen, haven't put in context, and demand their removal because they don't fit someone's agenda about being gay, being black, um, whatever. Or anything. Anything. Yeah. Uh, let's bring in Jelani Cobb, Dean of the Columbia University School of Journalism and staff writer for The New Yorker. Jelani, there's another key thing about this that I'm really excited to talk to you about. So later on in April, uh, you are putting on a conference in School of Journalism about sort of democratizing the press. When I hear about book bans, right, when I hear that people are going into the local library and saying, hey, I don't want kids to have access to Tony Morrison, I don't like this book by Roberto Clemente, 
I think the press is next. What's to keep those people from saying, okay, those old issues of Ebony Magazine and Jet are a problem. Those old issues of Glamour talk about issues we don't like. What's the danger of these attacks on books to our overall press and, and what that could mean for what young people even into college have access to? Uh, these are straight down the middle First Amendment issues. Uh, and, you know, it's like a contagion that makes a leap from uh, from one carrier to the next. You know, we're seeing this on books. Uh, and, you know, it, it's easy to make that leap over to this as a repression of, of media and the press, uh, which I should say is already happening. You know, we've been seeing uh, for the past five or six years now, uh, you know, higher levels of attacks uh, on, on the press and you know, seeing ourselves downgraded on the indexes of press freedom uh, you know, around the world. And so, you know, these are deeply, deeply disturbing uh, trends that harken back to some of the worst and darkest times in American history. And part of what concerns me about this is there's a lot of books out there uh, that are full of fratricide and incest and violence that people find to be helpful, like the Bible. Uh, there's a lot of stories like that, and it's kind of important that people have access to that in America. Uh, one of the other things, and, and again, as an educator, I want to bring your attention to this terrible story out of Tallahassee where a principal was ousted over Michelangelo's David in an art lesson because it was deemed pornographic. Again, as an educator, this is, this is a, a historic piece of artwork. If somebody has a problem with it, it's okay to pull your kid out of the class. But what is it saying about the lack of respect for education now? That you can't just say, hey, I don't want my kid, or I don't think kids should see Michelangelo, but they're now ousting administrators over these kinds of ridiculous charges. So listen, we've seen these kind of challenges before. You know, we've seen, you know, the kinds of, even the Department of Justice, and you remember years ago, they, they draped a robe um, over a figure, um, a statue that they thought was too revealing. Uh, and so, you know, there's that kind of parochial view of the world that's been prevalent in American politics for a really long time. What we've seen now is an unprecedented level of, of pandering, uh, and indeed, even uh, amplifying and magnifying uh, those kinds of sentiments. Uh, and so uh, this doesn't lead anywhere good. Uh, and it, it is also, I should say, part of a bigger trend of seeing education fundamentally as anti-conservative. And that's what the opposition is. Deborah, what is the ALA doing against this? Is, I mean, are you guys simply suing? Are you doing protests? Because I'm looking at some of these banned books, you know, Of Mice and Men by John Steinbeck. I didn't like reading it, but I learned something when I was in school. Uh, banning Harry Potter. I, I don't understand why anyone would be upset about that. What is the ALA doing to fight back against this right-wing push? Well, first of all, you know, librarians have been traditionally on the front lines of defending the freedom to read and, you know, doing the thing that they do in a daily basis best. You know, librarians are all about making sure you have access to broadband when you can't afford it, supporting small businesses, supporting homeschooling parents, um, who's there when uh, there's a disaster? It's the libraries that open up and provide connections to FEMA and, and all the information that people need to get out of that. Um, but uh, what ALA is doing is we provide direct support to librarians who are addressing challenges in their libraries. We support communities. Uh, but there is an initiative. Uh, it really depends on all of us. It really depends, frankly, on every individual in the community, on you, uh, to stand up because libraries are local, schools are local, and this all happens at board meetings. We need to... Uh, show up at these meetings. We need to know who we're voting for in local elections. We're now seeing school boards and library boards taken over by those with a censorship agenda. And we're seeing the results of that in places like Florida and Texas, where the books are being removed wholesale from school libraries. Uh, but we encourage everyone to go to a platform called uniteagainstbookbans.org. And that's unite with a, not united. We are united, but it's United Against Book Bans. And there are tools there for us as individuals to get involved in the local political process, to know who we're voting for, to understand the issues, to be able to stand up and speak out against censorship at their local board meetings and to let elected officials know that they won't tolerate the government telling them what to think or do or letting other parents impose their will on their own child's education that that choice belongs to us alone and that it's the job of librarians and educators to make a wide variety of information diverse information diverse stories available and let everyone make their own choices about education 
Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Deborah Caldwell Stone and Joanna Cobb. Thank you guys for joining us tonight on the Reader. Shortcast Club.